Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company. Peregrine begins the breakout to the far side of center. Behind the D, Valeno scores! Off the left post and in. Joe Valeno puts the Red Wings up 3-1. to It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Yeah. Fun, fun, fun. Go Company. <laughs> Uh, Golden Circle, Sportsbook Bar Inside TI. That is where we're at. If you want to come down and say what's up, we've got tickets for you. If you want to go see UNLV, of course, take on Wyoming. January 24th, we've got tickets for you. And T-shirts and just smiles and hugs on this Friday. I feel like that's what we all need. Speaking of UNLV, Steve Cofield out on the road. Running Rebels are out in Fresno. They can match up with Fresno State coming up. Manana. See if the Rebels can break out of this little slide that they're on. Talk about the uh, reinforcements they might be getting here coming up. I wanted to hit, because we usually hit headlines here, I wanted to hit something that came down a couple, like an hour or two ago, because uh, the Tennessee Titans, I don't know if you guys saw, but they uh, introduced their new general manager, Rand Carthen. Uh, his press conference was earlier today, and one of the many topics that was brought up was, of course, Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback of the future. Carthen uh, responded, quote, I don't think that's fair to this point. We still have to evaluate that position. Now everybody, yeah, now everybody's running with that, right? Like, ah, right? <laughs> Tannehill's out. I will ask. I mean, I think it's an interesting landscape of quarterbacks this offseason, right? Because we have Tom Brady. Derek Carr to Tennessee. Derek Carr. I mean, maybe Ryan Tannehill's going to be out there. Do we include whatever the 49ers are going to do with, like, a Jimmy Garoppolo type at the end of the year, right? You'd assume that one of Trey Lance and or Jimmy Garoppolo is on the move because of the way that Brock Purdy's been playing. You can't keep all well, – I can't say you can't. But it would be unlikely that all three stay in San Francisco, right? What is Ryan Tannehill's value on, you know, the market if it's either via acquisition or trade or whatever it is? Because I think he's actually kind of been underrated with what he's he's had. I don't want to say nothing. This last season, he really didn't have anything to work with. Where where would he be an upgraded starting quarterback? Well, I think a lot of places, especially if as you know, like we talk about all the time, bridge guy. Like if if let's just put it this way. If everything the reports are saying is true, and Will Levis, who keeps getting tied to Indianapolis, I think he's being tied to there for different reasons as opposed to actual interest. Um, white guy, Indianapolis. Um, sure. Right? I, I think a Ryan Tannehill for a season or two while a guy like Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson type develops, why wouldn't that make a lot of sense for a team? Well, yeah, that, that's where it does. Like To me, that's where it makes sense if a team drafts a quarterback and, and has a guy that they want to have a year or two down the road then you plug him in, probably not if you think you're going to contend. Uh, that's probably not the guy. But he probably – I mean, I don't know what his relationship was. I think he'd have to do some intel on how he worked with Willis, like how well he worked with him or what he did with him. Or was he one of those guys that said, hey, he's coming for my job. I'm not going to exert myself to do that. So uh, that would be telling to me what kind of intel you can get out of that. Yeah, I think he's okay as a one-year stopgap in front of a drafted quarterback. But anything beyond that? I, and the other thing is I don't know what his contract status is. I was just looking at the numbers, and I think they have an out. Um, I don't know what would kick in the 2023, but he was he's owed like $27 million. 
uh, yeah, and that's the yeah, that's the that's the number twenty seven million. But I think they're out from under it, so maybe you can get them get them at a cheap price. But I wouldn't count on them for. I'm not even sure you can count on them to make it through a season. That's the other problem is he's so now he feels like he's super injury prone. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I mean, his offense line hasn't really been that good. It hasn't done him any favors, right? It's not like it's a guy that's going down nah. like uh, on, like because of feathers hitting him. It's because he's just been getting crushed uh, behind an offense line that hasn't been performing very well. And I think the other, the, I mean, the other ramification of this is, are they really going the Malik Willis route? I mean, I get he was a developmental prospect, but Josh Dobbs route, he did not look good. Like it, it, there were, it didn't seem that there were many redeeming quarterback qualities of Malik Willis. And now you don't want to punt after a short sample size and the guy who clearly was. You know, a guy you want to project, build a project around, kind of develop as you go along, but this could be this could get pretty bad for Tennessee next year if they Derek get rid Carr. of him. He doesn't want to go there. What do you mean? He doesn't want to go there. Why? He's got his pick of the litter. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tennessee, Tennessee for a little while here is going to be the, the new Indy where they're going to have a new quarterback until they really feel like they have the long-term guy, which is a dangerous game to play because sometimes you hit and most times you don't. So can I throw – this isn't a headline, but can I throw something out that we ended the last hour with? Because I've been thinking about this more and more. So back to the Cowboys and Niners. Cowboys get crushed. Jerry Jones is like, I'm going to die soon. I'm not trying to be mean, but he's an older guy. Um, I, I got to win. So you know what? I heard you, Sean Payton. I know what you were doing, throwing out that 20 to 25 mil a year, basically planting the flag about how much money you want to make with us. So if Payton landed with the Cowboys – if you were the Broncos, would you hire Mike McCarthy? Hmm. Like, isn't it going to be weird if Mike McCarthy gets blown out? He's he's not he can't go back to the dude who was sitting in his basement for a year and the whole analytics thing, right? Like, he's he should be an attractive candidate to someone else, but McCarthy's also not young, so he shouldn't want to go to like the Panthers. Like, would the Broncos be flopping? Hey, they lose out on Peyton. You know, we'll get Mike McCarthy. This, look at how well he did with the Cowboys. Cowboys blew it. We'll take him. Well, does Mike McCarthy want the job? Why wouldn't he want it? Because of Russell Wilson? Yeah. It's a project. I mean, I, I'm i not sure that Mike, that Mike McCarthy, if he gets fired coming out of this season, is, is like, oh, I have the pick of the litter. First of all, I don't think the jobs are that good. So what is he going to do, sit out again? Well, he does have a contract, right? I mean, he'd get paid. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. But we see on, on, on Spot Track, whatever it is, the contract thing. What's Mike McCarthy's deal? Spot Track? Spot Track. Yeah, Spot Track. Spot Track. Spot Track. But these, all, these guys do have egos, though, right? I mean, he's probably going to jump in if he can. I mean, look at uh, what's his face? Matt Rule. He was get how much was it to just sit on his butt? $72 million, I think. Right. And he's like, nah, I need a job. These guys have egos. They're, they're, all, they're not all Cliff Kingsbury going to Thailand and being like, call me later. I've got stuff that i got to do. You know, he's more like us. If I was handed a check to leave, I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out of here. Be a great talk. Wait a second. I think, I think coaches are on that goofy website, the Spo Track. Oh, I'm sure they are. not. Wait, where no? is he? Oh, okay. Let's see. Um, oh, no, he's got a five-year deal. They don't, they don't have to be public either. Yeah, like, the John Gruden yeah. deal is never really public. We didn't really know for sure what he was making. There's no caps. So we don't have to report it necessarily. It would be a, key, it would yeah, be a team. I don't see any numbers. It would be a team that he would be able to – bring you would think if he hits all the right buttons with russell wilson that he would be able to bring them to competitive nature like competitive status relatively quickly i would the say division. huh the division's the problem well i know but it's the same thing you can, i mean look the whole tom brady thing has you you mentioned a really good point there's other things that have to do with that coming yeah. to las vegas right i think one of the things the division is going to be a nightmare for him to compete in but like you said there's outside football reasons why he would come here i mean so along those lines 
I mean, Steve, I know you said you don't think any of the other jobs are that attractive. Why wouldn't, like, a Colts job be attractive if McCarthy becomes available? That division kind of stinks, right? You have a top four Colts interviewed their coach today. Which one was it? They've interviewed, like, a thousand people. Passaccia. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's that. That's a a headline. Let's do it. They've they've interviewed, like, like 15 people, and they've got, like, three more coming. This is all just a cover for them hiring Jeff Saturday. It's not. Jeff Saturday is a disaster. But isn't... Which of the which of the candidates don't we have to just determine which of the candidates is most okay with Ursay going to the bathroom in their house? Isn't that the what, ex- what, what exactly? What exactly? Did he blow up the bathroom, or is he a weirdo at the table with he, McDaniel's wife? No, he was just in the bathroom for a very long period of time, an uncomfortable amount the, of time. The, the quote was an uncomfortable and awkward amount of time. Oh boy! <laughs> you know what this reminds me of, Adam? You remember when? Uh, Coop had issues with mac and cheese. Sorry, that was the latest. That was the latest All American I watched. Sure. Coop. Oh, I was sure. Yeah, she's from All. She's from All American. So good reference. So you think? I, I can't do bathroom talk because I have too many stories I, about blown blown places up. No, we already told your story about uh, when you were on the egg delivery route. Oh, you did. Yeah. 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 What's we, we've heard that before? What yeah. would be worse? What would be the more embarrassing thing? Would it be blowing up the toilet or clogging it? Uh, clogging, it's pretty bad. I went through that. I clogged it one time. Yeah, that was right. that. That was the that was the egg delivery butcher shop, uh, where I came back the next week and they're like, "Bro, you, you like overflowed the toilet? What do you? But like, the, you didn't have a plunger. What do you want me to do?" Obviously, the funny thing as we were talking about is the funny thing is that he that he did blow it up in that way. Yeah. But the the speculation actually is that he was just in there doing drugs. Oh, like, right. Yeah. Well, happy fun time. Yeah. yeah. Well, happy fun time. Allegedly. That's just speculation. We have yeah. no idea. I mean, but No way that happened. No, of course not. There's no way he was <laughs> sitting on the floor, just sprawled out with his tie loose, just chilling. Oh, my God. Just hanging out. By the well, way, I mean, the Adam, does, Adam does bring up a good point that while the Colts job looks attractive, Ursay appears to be losing it more and more, and maybe he's drug-free now, but he's a weird guy, and he's a meddler. Um, he, I'm not saying he's like you know James Dolan. But is he an attractive guy to play, uh, to, you know, to work for? Well, and that's the other. Thing. I, don't, I would say no because, by all indications, if you remember before they hired Frank or fired Frank Reich, they fired their offensive coordinator. That was an Ursay move. Firing Reich the way that they did was an Ursay move. He went overwent everybody, including Ballard. According to multiple reports, Ballard was trying, like almost dragging him by the belt. Do not hire Jeff Saturday <laughs> in the middle of the season, and he <laughs> went out and did it anyway. Jim Trotter had a report that. Ballard's job this offseason is not to hire a head coach. It's to convince Jim Ursay not to hire Jeff Saturday. That's why I think all of these, they're, they're looking like they're doing their due diligence just so Ursay could say, I, I interviewed 15 people and I want my guy, Jeff Saturday. Just saying. Just throwing it out there. That's not Passaccia. Passaccia, again, I mean, he did a good job when he was here. Do You, you, think you don't want him as coach of your Colts? I, I would... I would not hate it, but I would not like it. To be perfectly fair, he's got a, a – it's a very small sample size. He was successful. Whatever went into that success and how much effect he had on that success, you can question. Big, I'm not in the locker room every day. He was successful. How big is his bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> what, about a, what about a package deal, Basaccia, with Carr? Because that worked. Uh, that that was the first thought when I saw that they interviewed Passaccia. That was my first yep. thought. It worked, man. Now, the ending. I I talked about this the other day. 
let's just say for speculation purposes, Steve, yep. that certain people within on the coaching staff blame Carr individually for that loss in Cincinnati because uh, he spiked the ball. I forgot about that part, yeah. Maybe maybe not Basaccia, but maybe Speculation purposes. I'm not yeah, saying spec- yeah. speculation, yes. Ah, someone so, maybe someone named nicknamed Oli. Yeah, but I will say that being in that locker room in Cincinnati after after that game, yeah. Basaccia clearly put the blame on him too. Uh, so Basaccia was pissed. Yeah. Uh, everyone was. The entire organization seemed to be. It's, it's for been speculation a while, purposes. It's, it's been a while. Maybe they got over it. I mean, the Colts have the first round picks to trade for Derek Carr, so it's a good landing spot. Sure. <laughs> it, what's what's first. worse if if they trade if they trade a first for Derek Carr or they take Will Levis as a Colts fan? Because you're already melting down over the Will Levis. Well, it depends who, who's who's still available. Like if it's like if C.J. Stroud is still available and they draft Will Levis, I mean, I'm sorry, what are we doing? And it's not because I've gotten a lot of like C.J. Stroud. You know, he's an Ohio State quarterback. He's not that good. Any quarterback could have done what he did, and that's well, no, that's not the case. And it's about who's available there. It's not like I'm some big C.J. Stroud fan. It's at number four if the Colts are there and Stroud's available, and it's between him, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and um, who's the Stanford quarterback that I, whose name is escaping me at this point right now, who everybody loves. Uh, regardless, is it, is it Tanner McKee. Yeah, Tanner McKee. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, like it's obviously C.J. Stroud. So if they're drafting Levis at four, or by some are saying trading up to number one to draft Will Levis, what are we doing? That's an absolute nightmare. So, I love I the pre-draft stuff. Planting the flag on players that you absolutely cannot stand. But yeah. real, I got I to mention this real quick. Um, I was hanging out the other night with our good buddy from over at the Golden Nugget, Tony Miller, and there was another Jets fan there, and he decided to we, – we, we both made a comment about the Jets never having a franchise quarterback in our lives – like like a seven eight year guy, and it eventually it actually it eventually devolved into me just losing it about Trevor Lawrence again. Like I have emotional, I really do have emotional problems. I don't know that I can watch Jacksonville and the Chiefs tomorrow because if they're winning or they win the game, I'm gonna freaking lose it again. But I know it's it's personal for you, but it is the ultimate tale to everyone when they say ah tanking. Yep. Yep. Here you yep. go. Yep. Here I, you know, go. You know what's funny is I I know who they beat. Right, and I guarantee you, most most Jets fans who were on that whole thing where they're like, you know, you got to play to win. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, we'll get them on again. I remember having on Brandon Tierney, one of our buddies who does radio on WFAN, and I said to him in an interview, you know, postseason or maybe maybe like with two weeks left or something, I said, this win over the Rams is one of the five worst losses in Jets history, and he was like, oh, bro, come on, you you got to play to win. Like, who cares now about that game? That game meant nothing. You'll always it have meant to remember. nothing, and it, and it may have changed again. See, I'm doing it again. The direction of two different franchises, right? Jets continue to just kind of stay crappy or mediocre, and the Jags may be a 10-plus win team for the you'll, next 10 years. But you'll always have the memory of that win. You remember it still to this day. You've, also, the in, you've also instilled a winning culture. So. Yeah. And by the way, yeah, you've, yeah. And by the way, <laughs> the Raiders – and Adam pushed this. The Raiders this year winning a couple extra games. Maybe that gets them Anthony Richardson or Will Levis instead of C.J. Uh, Stroud. And then you look four years from now and you're like, look at how awesome Stroud is. What did the Raiders do with their pick? Why did they take this guy? 
Maybe bringing uh, it back. You, co- you cost yourself by winning meaningless games. Maybe bringing it back semi-full circle. I always say the greatest Colts victory this season was blowing a 33-0 lead to the Minnesota Vikings and uh, yeah. losing that game. You want to know why? Because it improved their dress. And maybe that's why Jeff Saturday should be hired because he was brilliant down the stretch <laughs> in losing those games. I'm so jealous. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Ravens fans, be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Let me debunk some of these Twitter narratives about Greg Roman. Who is Greg Roman? Greg Roman helped turn Alex Smith, first-round bust, into an NFC championship quarterback. Who is Greg Roman? Greg Roman helped turn Colin Kaepernick, who replaced Alex Smith after Alex Smith got hurt, into a playoff record-setting quarterback. Who is Greg Roman? Greg Roman helped turn Lamar Jackson, who every single team passed on once, including the Ravens, into a unanimous MVP, second to only Tom Brady. Who is Greg Roman? in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Emmanuel Watcho, I'm Greg Roman. Speak for yourself, FS1. Who is Greg Roman? Future offense coordinator of the New England Patriots, and he's going to bring along Lamar Jackson. Ooh. Hot Ooh. take? Hot take? One goal. SOB. One global shop had the Patriots as, like, the second choice to land Lamar Jackson. Oh, my God. Now, I think that's, like, complete guesswork, but that would be an interesting fit. Patriots get Lamar, win another 20 straight division title? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's why I said no. I was like, that is heartbreaking. That would be uh, pretty tough. Don't do that. Well, the Jets are going to get Tom Brady, and everything's going to be fine. But I will say that uh, (laughs) – Getting Lamar Jackson would be a slap in the face. Good segue. <laughs> That's a good one. Steve's in, okay, right? I, I, I got no response. I, I texted you guys repeatedly. I know Adam was kind of busy, but I texted you guys repeatedly with highlights of Dana White's slap show on TBS, and you gave me no response, and I gave you the best highlights. It's gross. But there was so much more. It was so much more than the, than the KOs. It was, it, that show has great potential. It doesn't. Oh, it, got, it came out of the gates with a solid 300,000 viewers on TBS. Less. Once all the social media goes out, this thing's going to bring in a big audience. It's, so, it's, it's a really interesting sport, and the rules they have in it are great because there is no such thing as a standing eight. You basically have about 28 seconds to get up if you go down, and that was the most intriguing part is if guys could get up. And actually, there was one female fight. I'm not going to ruin what happened in that one, but if guys who got rocked to the ground could get up in 28 seconds. Everybody knows the female fight was a somersault fight. Everybody has seen it on social media. But All right, the, see that, that, and that's the only reason they put it in episode one is because she tried to she tried to stand up and and did and rolled. And by the way, they kept her on the show. I was like, okay, this was. I mean, this is crazy. She's on the show. She got freaking knocked cold and did a somersault. Well, it's not a sport. That's why I got uh, so mad. It's a great sport. You're you're right that it's going to do well on social media. It's a social media sport. That's the problem. Like, they should have bought the rights to just put these out in clips on Instagram and, and TikTok and all these other spots. Nobody's going to watch an entire show of yes. this ridiculousness. There they showed that. Mouth, there's a lot of mouth breathers like me who, now that they know about the show, will watch. They Give won't. me uh, $5. I'll, I'll buy Slap Fight pay-per-view one. Like five bucks for a card, you know? Yeah, I didn't, say I, I didn't say I was buying the pay-per-view. <laughs> That's where I will draw the When I saw they were doing a pay-per-view, I was like, okay, stop. I, I think you're wrong in that, and Steve is correct. If you want to call them mouth breathers, like yeah, it's fine. 
this I'm will myself on. Right. I, I watched five minutes of it. And I was like, oh, this is great. The, people will watch this. I mean, no. it was already a popular sport prior. I saw popular. It. Oh, like from, yes. from from an internet and like right. Again. But that's where it, that's where it's going to thrive. It, people because and also people know. Look, I don't have to watch it. I'm going to see the seven best or five best whatever knockouts on TikTok the next it's day. Not, it's, but I don't have to Adam, watch the I'm dumb you, show. It's not all about the knockouts. It's the drama in between where you see someone get totally rocked and you're like, are they going to get up and make a comeback? I have no interest in that. You there, was also, there were also a bunch of fights too, John, where like big guys got up and have no idea how to slap. They would just like graze someone across the face. Like, what are you doing? You're missing the target every, or you know, there's different. I really like the show. There were like different people. You know, they they go back with the arm. They rock. They rock. Yeah, they, there's other people who are like twist. first one, first one. They're just like eh, across the face. Like, yeah. dude, what are you doing? Put the some de- power in this thing. The development of the sport's going to be tremendous. It's not. It's well, not. I love to talk it's about. It's not that. a sport. They're putting out like Craigslist ads. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. It they're is. putting out like Reddit ads. Hey, who wants to do this? Everybody, it's not a sport. Nobody's training. You know what? People said the same thing about mixed martial arts. Adam. No, they didn't. They did. <laughs> no, that was a Bar- sport. Barbar- barbaric. Yep. Just bloodlust. And look what it turned into. It's, do you like MMA but hate the art, art, artistic nature of it? And this the could training? be artistic. It can't be. It can be. Oh, yeah. No, it can't. Especially when you start to like really follow these guys <laughs> in their workout regimens. Right, the way, the way they work on their obliques, it'll develop. It'll train. They'll they train. Don't, they go to work. They have jobs because they don't make money on this. In thirty years, when you're on your deathbed and Slap Fight '86 is on, right for ninety nine dollars, pay per view. Not watching it. You, I, that's look, fine. I'm working, on my, I'm working on my obliques right now. You miss, like, look at that, that rotation. Look at that who, rotation. All right, who is the best slapper? I don't know any other names. Exactly. I don't care. Uh, well, it's exactly. the first one. They can't build stars. Cr- cr- by the Chris, Chris Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, that- Chris Thomas was the best. He, 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 he looked like he had nothing. He looks like the average guy at the end of the bar you might get mouthy with, and he would slap your freaking face off. And boy, did he slap that guy's face off. The Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Like, I honestly thought that someone was going to get murdered on the ice. Like, I really, I was like, I have to get out of here. Like, this is flat out scary. Because they all had this look in their eye. Like, they weren't enjoying hockey or enjoying a game. Like, they were they were about to do some harm. It's time for Grillin' McMillan with ESPN Las Vegas NFL insider Mark McMillan. The tough guys on WFAN. Boomer and Geo, scary Philly Flyers fans. I thought I thought the East Coast is all about uh, tough guys. I was told the other day, Steve. I don't know if you know this. So on VSIN, I was uh, you know doing my whole New York rant, and I had somebody tell me, "You're lucky you survived Penn Station." I thought these East Coast guys were all about toughness. So thin-skinned, such wimps, and that whole that whole bid that Boomer and Geo were doing, talking about how rough Philly is. Cut it out. Mark McMillan's with us. I feel like he's Mark's got a really nice. Like a nice outward, he projects nice stuff. Every time I see him, he's smiling. I feel like there's somebody underneath that nice facade that could probably beat me up very easily. <laughs> <laughs> Is this true? Oh, that, was, that was pretty. That was pretty good, man. And you're actually kind of right. You know, I like to smile. You know, you you kind of throw off your opponent, but you know, when things need to go down, you know, you got to be able to turn that switch on and off, and, and know when to turn it on and off. Before we get to sports, can I ask, speaking of putting up like a very nice like facade up front, can you walk me through how you're going to keep your cool? But you're on Gordon Ramsay's team, right? What are you doing here with Gordon Ramsay on this show? 
Hey man, I've been holding this out for a long time. I know Steve, my guy, we you know, he's been he's been he's been holding tight with me, man. So I got picked for the uh next level chef uh show. Um this is season two and I got picked handpicked of all the chefs on the show from Chef Blaze, uh Chef Aisha, Chef Arrington. Gordon Ramsay picked me to be on his squad. Can you believe that? How cool is that? I don't think Steve and Adam really appreciate it like I do. I'm kind of no, like I did. no, I do. Okay, no, I do, believe me. I'm a closet like I'm a yes. closet cooking like nerd. Like I like cooking. I think it's an incredible thing. I watch videos all the time. I was I was blown away and I mean this with all so sincerity. Cool. That so is so cool. freaking cool. Congratulations. Yeah. It's so awesome. Uh, thank, thank you, man. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say cuz you know, I'm on TV a lot, I'm on the radio. Obviously, I played in the league for a long time had some success and, you know, just out in the media and all that stuff. But, man, I watch all these cooking shows all the time. Uh, I've been cooking, man, for about four or five years, you know, just tweeting out to you guys, Steve, Clay, and all these guys just trying to, you know, draw up some interest. And then I get the, I get this email. It's like, hey, would you like to be on the next, lef- next uh, you know, next level chef? And I thought it was a scam. I was like <laughs> – why would somebody want me to be on the show with Gordon Ramsay on Fox National TV? I'm just a guy in the backyard that's just trying to learn how to grill and get better. And then when I found out, you know, Gordon Ramsay picks me on my team, I'm telling you guys, man, just as excited as you guys are, I'm a foodie. Steve knows this big time. This is like a real highlight, man. This is like getting drafted in the first round, number one overall pick. Well, Steve and John are very excited. They offered you congratulations. I'm going to wait and see how you do. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump on board yet. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna jump on board a losing ship. You better represent us well, man. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll represent well, man. I, I tell you. I tell you this. I won't be a. I won't be a first round bust. You know Good. what I'm saying. I, I am going to score a few touchdowns. Uh, you know, obviously it's a great show, man. We got an amazing cast. Uh, you know, from top to bottom, all the way from Florida to San Francisco. Like you know, we have a doctor on the show. We have a firefighter on the show. Uh, we got a we got a, a, a whole wow. bunch of great chefs, uh, you know, coming from all walks of life, home cooks, professional chefs. These are people that have their own restaurants. Uh, so I'm excited, man, just to compete and get in the kitchen and just see where I go, man. I, I'm the only athlete on the show, you know what I'm saying? This is season two, and I'm the only athlete. So hopefully I can do well enough that they'll pick more athletes from hockey, maybe the NBA or more so uh, NFL guys, or maybe you guys. I know Adam. We gotta step up. Your, we gotta step up your game, though. Yeah, those, those hot dogs and, and, and waffle <laughs> and Steve. Every now and then, Steve would throw a little croissant in there or some some. Uh, well, what are those? Uh, Tostitos, the tacos, yeah. or something. Yeah. Uh, that was you. You got on me about the cooking pizza rolls on the, the grill barbecue. Yeah, on the barbecue. By the way, last night one of those little mini waffle makers that people are making like. You know, egg McMuffins with. I cooked a burger with it. Oh my god! I was actually you know, I, pretty I, good. I saw somebody on the on one of these shows, uh, one of these reality shows, cook uh, a steak in the toaster. So you're not you're not far off, Steve. Man, it's it's some yeah. crazy things out there that that you can create dishes for. But my apologies now, man. People are using the toaster oven uh, to cook things. So Adam, you still have hope, man. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I was wondering, <laughs> and this uh, also came from listener Derek who asked. If this show doesn't work out, do you go on slap fighting next? <laughs> oh no, I, I can't. I can't go on that, man. Do you see those people? That, why would you do that? Like, like you know, what I'm like, and they got a mouthpiece in. The last dude I saw, his face was like he looked like a sleep sack. 
the whole side of his face was swollen up. It's like, after this reality show, man, who would have thought, man, I'm on a reality show? That's crazy, man. Immediately following the Super Bowl. So once the Eagles or the Chiefs win it, Stay tuned, man, oh, wow. for next level season two. Yeah, can I just say, we were going to tell, tell everybody, after the Super Bowl on February 12th, it is the first time in my life where a network has told me, watch this after the Super Bowl, and I'm actually going to watch. Oh, they, they, they've, they've never caught I me I may before. not watch the game. Right. Yeah, I'm going to put fun as soon as the game's <laughs> over. But I'm in after the Super Bowl. Uh, again, next, uh, what is it, next level up on Fox, so you can next, find that. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, man, I've been getting great response from the Eagle fans, from the Chiefs fans. Uh, Alabama fans, even the Raider fans, man, they've been jumping on board and, and tweeting out. So I definitely appreciate all the love on social media, man. I just want to get as many people tuned into the show. Uh, like I said, I'm the first uh, professional athlete to ever be on one of these shows as far as the next level chef. And everybody knows Gordon Ramsay is like the king of the king of all shows. And to be able to be on his team and everybody knows his personality. And people kind of know my personality as well. So it's going to be some fire, man. It's going to be hype. Well, you mentioned you're, you're an athlete. We know that. We, you're obviously in the NFL, and we know about your history there. But, like, athletes break down their opponents. They study film. Did you watch season one? Did you develop a strategy based on what happened in season one? Are you watching film? Are you breaking it down? I'm breaking it down. I watched season one. Uh, obviously, you know, just talking to some of the contestants that was on the show. You know, you look at the show, you're like, oh, you know, 45 minutes? I can make a amazing meal. 45 minutes is a long time. But they're <laughs> like, time. once that door opens, that 45 minutes is like 20 minutes because you got to grab as much food as you can, you know, off that station. I think the tier lasts maybe 15 or 20 seconds. And you're thinking like, oh, that's that thing goes so fast. Uh, so it's going to be pretty exciting, man. I, I, hopefully I grab the right product and right produce to be able to create a, a, a great meal. And that's the thing about it. The platform moves, so the grab is very important. I don't want to move on to sports. But I guess we have to. You did. You did make a sports reference here, so let's talk about this. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles in this spot here against the New York Giants. I'm really interested in your thoughts on how this looks because we do get some comments coming out of Philly, whether it's after the uh, the regular season finale, uh, about Jalen Hurts and the pain that he's still feeling. What is your confidence level in Hurts and what his status is coming into this game? We know he's going to play, but in terms of percentage of health and how effective you think he's going to be. You know, he's a tough guy. Um, you know, he's, he's battled injuries before. Um, the guy is probably one of the strongest on the team. Uh, so everybody's hurt. What this is like week 20, you know, guys are hurting week three, week four. Right now, this is go time. You know, uh, obviously you work hard to get that home field advantage. Um, the Giants are playing well. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not just saying the Eagles are just going to walk through the Giants, but they're playing well at the right time. Uh, Daniel Jones is playing lights out. Saquon Barkley is running the ball really well. Um, they struggle in the secondary, so hopefully we can exploit that matchup. But as far as Jalen, I don't worry about it, man. He'll probably get shot up in that shoulder, and you've got to line up and suit up, man. You're at home. You're in the link. It's prime time, nighttime. Uh, the fans are going to be juiced up. With the, and I'm not talking about orange juice. They're going to be juiced up uh, and ready to root on the bird. What do you think about Trevor Lawrence questioning whether it's going to be loud at Arrowhead? You know, I don't know why he would say that. Like, it, 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 why would you want bulletin board material? Like, just don't say anything. You know, obviously, I don't know why he would say that, uh, Adam. Obviously, playing in Death Valley in Clemson. He's played in a loud stadium. This is louder than Death Valley in Clemson. They're going to break a record for the loudest stadium noise in NFL history. So, 
he's going to see that first time he put his hand up under that center or shotgun, uh, he's going to feel the wrath. And I'm sure Doug Peterson is probably like, why would you say that? <laughs> what have you made of this turnaround from Lawrence in this last half of the season? And, heck, the way he looked after a, a first half and a first quarter in which he looked abysmal and, and lost in a playoff game. You know, this goes to, to Doug Peterson. Uh, when you have a good coach, obviously he's a Super Bowl winning coach, uh, that's cool, calm, under pressure. You know, Doug has been like that his whole career, even playing against him uh, in the NFL when I was in the league. Uh, you know, obviously being down by so many points and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, he threw, what, three, four picks in the first half. Uh, you know, Sam, I think Samuel had like three of them. And you're like, man, it's over. But, man, true character showed up in this young man. Obviously, heck, we saw it, we saw it when they came back and beat the Raiders when they were down by double-digit points. So uh, the maturity of this young man is, is, is really good to see. Um, he had a lot of pressure, number one overall pick. But when you have a head coach that knows what he's doing, call plays, knows time management, can manage the clock, let his coaches coach those guys up, um, it's, it's great, man. And uh, Coach Buckner is the defensive line coach over in Jacksonville. We had him here uh, with the Raiders, but they let him go. So it just goes to show, man, uh, you know, it's all about coaching and, uh, you know, coaching these guys up and develop them. Mark McMillan, reality star, joining us here on the, on the program. Oh, let's go. There you go. Uh, we're all be, we'll all be rooting. The Super Bowl doesn't matter anymore. Uh, we're all focused uh, on the show coming up. But uh, there are some games to get us to the Super Bowl teams. And we talked about Micah Parsons from the Cowboys earlier. When you watch him, as a, as a former defensive player in the NFL, what do you think when you watch a guy like Micah Parsons that makes plays everywhere on the field? Unbelievable talent. Um, you know, he reminds me of a, you know, obviously Lawrence Taylor is a really big dude. He reminds me of a smaller Lawrence Taylor or a smaller Derek Thomas. Uh, this guy's in coverage. Uh, he's demanding the double team. Uh, he's, he's running down receivers downfield. Um, he's a guy that, that's going to come to play, that's going to be exciting. Um, it's going to be a great matchup. You know, it's an old school matchup with the Cowboys uh, in the Niners. You know, we'll see how Brock Purdy does. Uh, in this pressure situation, so far he's been handling it well. But I'm a Chandler Parson fan, man. He, he this guy plays the game old school. He does not give a crap. Uh, he's going to try to take. He's trying to oppose his will, like you should do, especially in playoffs like this. There's no more friendly guy. There's no more exchanging jerseys and, and tapping each other on the shoulders. You got to hit your buddy in the mouth and make him feel it. Mark McGillan. Mark, we are up against it, but thank you very much for the time. And, uh, again, man, congratulations. It's really awesome. We'll be rooting for you. Let's go. Next Level Chef Season 2, Team Ramsey. We in the building, baby. February 12th, immediately following the Super Bowl. All right, there he is, Mark McGillan. We uh, go to break. We'll get you ready for UNLV and Fresno tomorrow with a uh, quick conversation I had this afternoon with Rebel Guard Jordan McCabe. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag only on ESPN Las Vegas. So the guys are hanging down at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Cofield out here in Fresno getting ready for a UNLV game on the road. Fresno tomorrow, 3 o'clock tip to uh, preview the game. Was out of practice today. Pulled aside Jordan McCabe, who just comes off a really big game with 17 points and five threes against Utah State. Listen, the team's off to a, a slow start in the Mountain West. They're 1-4, and four, and I talked to McCabe about the fact that, uh, you know, where are you guys right now from a, a mindset standpoint? A lot of fans are freaking out. Are you guys okay? 
to the casual fan, you, you look at it and you just break down, did they win or did they lose? And I think as a competitor, you do that as well. However, when you're in our practices, there's a different feeling from certain games this year, even if they, they ended the same way. So let's take two of our losses, um, one against Boise and then one against Utah State. There was a different level of fight in the second half against Utah State that there was in Boise, regardless of whether it was home or away. Uh, all that's just noise. So we just break it down in terms of did we fight hard enough to give ourselves a chance to win the game? Because college basketball so often comes down to small things. I mean, every sport at, at a high level is a game of inches, and uh, we realize that. But we need to at least be—we we need to at least give ourselves a chance to win. Um, and, and that comes from fight. It comes from our defensive keys that we need to hit every game. Uh, and if we do those things, we can beat anybody in the country. Coach Kruger talked about maybe some guys losing an edge, not being mad about losing. Do you see that? And is there a player on the team or players who can be player-led and, and tell other guys, let's go, we got to get it together? Um, you know, if that's what he's seeing, uh, that's, that's his job is to kind of assess uh, where his guys are. So I, I agree with that. Um, I think it's more of a, a team thing right now. That's the scary part uh, as a part of a team is both – winning and losing become habits so we need to find a way to break whatever is kind of forming inside of inside of our team uh, that kind of doesn't allow us maybe to get over the hump or at least weather the storm until things turn around which uh, we we firmly believe is going to happen here uh, sooner rather than later so um, you ask kind of who those guys are going to be it's pretty obvious uh, for us it's um, EJ being a fifth year guy uh, Elijah Parquet fifth-year guy, myself, fifth-year guy, uh, just guys who have been through it, guys who understand and aren't really rattled necessarily uh, by by winning streaks or slides, or whatever it may be. Those are the guys who are going to kind of have to bring everybody else along uh, and, like I said, weather the storm. We also talked about EJ getting really fired up when he thought he had fouled out, and then a lot of people watching on you know the, the mountain stream. Yeah. I don't know how well you could see it, but it looked like he was like fighting with assistant coaches. Yeah. Now people are trying to kind of make a big thing out of that. What do you see, and can that can that kind of frustration be channeled positively moving forward? Absolutely. Uh, you know his 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 energy can be channeled in in a lot of different ways. Now, was he upset about the call? Was he upset about you know some certain things? Of course, EJ is one of the more fierce competitors that I've ever been around. Um, I knew that from day one. You could ask me that in July. Uh, who's a guy that just has that level of competitive fire? That sure, sometimes it can come out, and people from the outside may may kind of interpret it one way or another. But we know what EJ is about. EJ is about winning. He wants to win, and he believes that if he's on the floor, we have a chance to win. Everybody on our team knows that we have a good chance to win if he's on the floor. He's bailed us out of multiple games this year, uh, you know, just with his ability to, to will us to a victory. So, yeah, he was pissed. He wanted to be on the floor. He, you know, followed out at that time. Um, pissed at the call. I think we all kind of were. Uh, it, it is what it is. Sometimes that happens. And, um, no, nah, nobody's, nobody's overly worried. Anybody trying to make something out of that is just reaching. Jordan McCabe's with us. Uh, let's talk about you offensively in this last game. What does that do do for you from a you know a confidence standpoint going out there and hitting five threes? Yeah, you know the the biggest thing that that I've kind of looked at in terms of our conference season, um, I was able to mentally wipe the first part of the season where I was felt like I was trying to adjust to my new role, 
um, and then ask myself, well, how can I help us, uh, you know, going into the Mountain West? Um, and what that came down to was building on the small positive things. Given the fact that I came into Mountain West play with, I don't even know, probably somewhere in between right around 15 minutes a game, wasn't a huge volume. So I'm, I asked myself, instead of being upset about not playing much, can I find in those 15 minutes something positive uh, to build off of? And it might be something really small. Um, it might be a read or a shot uh, or a defensive play and then build on that each game, slowly but surely. I wasn't looking for, uh, can I have a breakout game? I think young players sometimes do that, where they're like, oh, it just takes one game and I'm gonna break out for you know, 25. That's just not how it works. Um, these things, any kind of positive or negative play builds up over time. And like I said, it can go both ways. So I just tried to focus on building on, on small positive things. I think that's what we need to do as a, as a team as well. Um, Utah, we had a lot of positive things we can build off. Last one. Um, you know, since December 10th and when Parquet went down, I think the defense has fallen back a little bit. Yeah. Can you explain to people, you know, when we throw out, hey, Parquet's out, that has hurt the defense, people will respond with, one guy can't make that much of a difference. <laughs> uh, they've never been guarded by Elijah Parquet then uh, because I've been guarded by a lot of really good defenders. Um, you know, I went to a school in West Virginia where that's all they brought in was elite defenders. Um, EP is one of the best that I've ever gone up against. Uh, so they're wrong. Uh, one guy can <laughs> truly change uh, a defensive look. And when you throw him, um, they did it in the summer at one point. We had teams and uh, the coaches on when we had split up teams told EP to not let me touch it and kind of just make my life hell. And what that does is, sure, I might not have been a – crazy threat to score and that's what he was shutting down he was shutting down an offense uh, because with my job primarily being to initiate it he can shut that down quickly or at least throw off the timing which he does at a rate I haven't seen many people do uh, it could be small things once again seems like a casual uh, casual fan observation that one guy can't change a defense uh, I, I don't think that's true at all EP definitely can change an entire defense there he is, UNLV guard Jordan McCabe. He's talking about Elijah Parquet, who is expected to get some minutes tomorrow if everything goes well in pregame. And clearly, the guy's absence, John, has made a big difference. They've gone 2-6 and six without him, and their defense isn't as good. They've gone 2-6 and six without him. Their defense hasn't been as good. And we talked about it, right? Of the six losses, four of them by a combined 10 points, two of them in yep. overtime. And the common thread of what we've spoken on and the way this you know, lack of execution or the way it's broken down, a lot of it's been on the defensive end. Right, not switching properly, doing all that—like that is a lot that alleviates when Elijah Parquet's out there. Yeah, go up to—I'll um, post the audio in a little bit. We had a good media session today with Kevin Kruger, but I, I did ask him about—and the video is up uh, at Steve Cofield on Twitter. I did ask him about the fact that you know, in the final ninety seconds, the Rebels had two blown switches. Um, one was with Keyshawn Hall, and you know. I'm not going to say it's to be expected, but you know he didn't play because I think they worried about his defense. He gave them 19 points on offense. He was really good. They needed it, but he was the guy who you know didn't recover quickly enough to to pick up uh, little Stevie Ashworth who hit the three, and then Keyshawn Gilbert got caught on the switch. So like everything has been a little bit off since Parquet has been out. Let's yeah. close out with sorry, John. Let's close out with uh, NFL, and I'll lean on both of you guys. But first with John. John, do you have a game this weekend in the NFL? that you really like in terms of the bet? 
Um, not entirely. Uh, I really want to bet on Cincinnati, but the offensive line is the thing that scared me off the most. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think the game should be a neutral site. I've made that case before. Uh, it's unfortunate for the Bengals that they have to do this. Uh, but I would love the Bengals if they had their offensive line attack. They don't. I do like the 49ers, though. I think the 49ers just have too much uh, too much creativity, too much talent on offense, too much yards after the catch. And uh, I think Parsons is a little banged up. So, like the Niners. Yeah. I don't love the fact that the number has jumped and this is a public play, a square play, but I do think Kansas City is going to wallop Jacksonville. I don't think there's going to be a backdoor. I think they could beat them by double digits. Am I safe on that, or are you guys worried about it? This is a side I'd rather be on, tell you that much. Yeah, I think so. Thanks to uh, Treasure Island for hosting the show. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you uh, carrying most of the show today. For John Von Tobel, for Ari, for Adam, it's Cofield. Get out to Golden Circle and watch the football all weekend long. They've got breakfast starting at 9.30.